So, unfortunately, this is my last message in my series, Identity. And then I've got a couple of single messages, and then I'm going to start a new series called uh, Cloud of Witnesses. Um, so this is my last, last message, and it's called New Life, if you weren't on Facebook. Have you ever had the privilege of meeting someone and you instantly knew uh, that God hadn't finished with you? Have you ever met someone like that and instantly you just see them and it's like, oh, God's been doing something crazy in their life and I just don't match up yet. I know God is still working in me. I remember I, I met someone like that and I instantly walked away from the situation going, Oh, this, yeah, God, you need to keep, keep working because I've got a long way to go. I, see, I can remember when I, I received Christ. I can remember the day that I made a decision for Jesus Christ. I walked up the front, put up my hand, prayed the pray, and, and began the journey of, of walking with Jesus. And I can remember the whole process, and, um, and you get all those fun times when you, you make mistakes, and in a sense, you sin and you fall short and then you feel condemned because you're not doing what you're supposed to be or someone says something and the message comes out and someone's saying this and that and whatever and you just feel like the worst Christian and you repent and then you try and get right and you try and do the right thing and you go through this whole process of just feeling bad. I can remember the times that I would feel condemned because what I was doing or was part of my old life that I was and I wasn't quite matching up and, and all this whole journey of learning about who Jesus is and what he did for me. If you were here for the last few weeks, I'll just move this out, you would have remembered my walking across the stage and how that I put us into three different categories, that we are, we are flesh or our bodies, that we are soul and that we are spirit. Your flesh is what you see. It's given to you by God and when you die, it's the part that actually goes back into the ground. It's the part that dies. It's the part that goes back to dust. Your soul is your mind, will, emotions or it's your personality. It's who you are. Your spirit comes from God. And the reason why it's important to understand how your makeup is or what you're made up of is because it's... it's it's important to understand that what different roles play in your life. It's important to understand that you have a flesh. And your flesh does certain things. It's also important that you have a soul. And this is who you really are. And it's important to understand that your spirit is what comes from God. It's important to understand that you need to feed your spirit because at the end of the day, choices. Which direction I go, whether I feed my flesh or whether I feed my spirit. And this is the basis of everything that I've been talking about. It's important to understand this because we need to understand who we are. Because in this time and age, there's, I don't think I've ever remembered a time when there's been such an attack on identity. Confusion comes in to try and break down who you truly are. And I found out this, is when I don't know who I am... When I don't know whose I am, what happens is I become a field day and I become in a place of confusion because I am constantly trying to work out who I am. I can be swayed by the wind depending on what happens. If you don't know who you, whose you are, if you don't know who you are, what can happen is someone can then determine who you are. 
rather than yourself. By what happened in the latest fashion, by what's happening with the latest this or that. So it is imperative as believers that we know who we are. In Galatians 2, 15 to 21, I'm going to break down some of this scripture. It says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that no one is justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the system I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For though the law, I have died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who, lived, sorry, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for by righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. We're going to take down that last bit. It says, it says I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is a, a starting point if you want to put it that way. But it's an understanding that your flesh is temporal. And when you became a Christian or when you decided to follow Jesus, you actually had to crucify your flesh. Your flesh has its own concepts or its own principles that it wants to follow. And as a Christian, I have to crucify my flesh. We had the privilege of watching Jason uh, go for a dunk um, a couple of weeks ago, be baptised. And baptism is actually a, a physical concept or physical principle or an external principle that has actually happened within. G uh, Jesus. Jason went into the water and he came back. And it was a representation of being crucified in the flesh and rising up in the spirit. It's a symbolic state of I need to crucify my flesh. That means whatever happens in my flesh needs to be crucified on a constant daily basis. This is, this is where you sin. And I need to constantly crucify my flesh in my own desires on a regular basis in order to actually fill that part, first part of Scripture. I am crucified with Christ it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in with me. We sung a song talking about the fact that it's, it's Christ that enables us, right? We talked about, the, I read a scripture before talking about that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that when I'm in my flesh, I am not victorious in Jesus Christ. If I crucify my flesh, another way to put it is deny my flesh, right? Deny my fleshly desires then I am no longer in that position. Every decision we make either moves us towards the flesh or towards the spirit. We either are feeding our flesh or feeding our spirit. I've talked a few weeks ago and talked about whatever we feed, whatever we give into, becomes stronger in our life. If I constantly and utterly feed my flesh, it becomes the stronger part of who I am. 
Most of the time what will happen is we will go through a difficult situation, we'll go through trauma, we'll go through struggles, and this is what I will do to define who I am. I will actually build an identity if I've gone through this situation long enough. And I actually will begin to form who I am. Okay, but this is not who I am. This is who I am. I have to crucify my flesh. That means I have to cut off my flesh, right? It doesn't mean you, get, you, you put a cross outside your house and you, you climb up on it every day and pretend you're crucified, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about literally you have to deny your flesh. If you've never fasted in your life, it's a great experience. Not, okay? But it's something that needs to be done on a regular basis. That's why we, we, we talk about it, right? Every year we actually do it at the start of the year. We, we call the church to fast, and it's up to you whether or not you do. But it's actually denying my flesh of something. The concept of fasting is the fact that I take something that I desire and I remove it. So I am denying my very thing that I want. Second, next scripture down, it says, The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. You need to understand that your body is just a vessel. It is just a vessel for this earth. It carries who you are and it carries your spirit, but it is just a vessel. It's like taking a water jug and having water in it. You don't drink the jug, you drink the water that's in the jug. And who you are is actually in the jug. Or in this case, who you are is actually only in the body. Your body doesn't actually define you, it's just a vessel to carry who you are. And when I've crucified my flesh, right, it is no longer I, which means I am giving up my fleshly desires who lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. So it is my spirit. So when I am crucifying my flesh, I'm making the decision to actually feed my spirit, and therefore it is Christ who actually lives within me. Then it goes on and says, and who, who loved me and gave himself for me. There was a reason why Jesus died on the cross, and it wasn't because it was the common thing to do in the day, and it wasn't because of any other reason than you needed it. You needed Jesus Christ to die for you because you needed a way to get out of living in your flesh. Because when you live in the flesh, you can't actually fulfill the law. The Old Testament, if you didn't know, was filled up with the law. Moses was given ten commandments, right, and they're subheadings for the other 615 laws that actually the Jewish people were supposed to commit. 615 laws and no one ever could keep them. If you're, if you're a Jewish person, you're in trouble. Um, unless you're saved by grace or you receive Jesus Christ, you're, you're in trouble. Because you can't keep the law. And the law was put in place by God in order to show this is my standard to live to. The basic concept was this. Okay? You can't keep it. And if I can't keep the law, then there has to be another way for me to actually have a relationship with God. Jesus came to this earth to fulfill the law so you didn't have to. Jesus gave himself to die on the cross as your punishment so you could be justified. 
Justified is not an actually a word most of us use these days, but justified actually means the easiest way to put it is this, just as if I had never sinned. Justification or justified isn't a pardon and it's not just forgiveness. Because if it was just about forgiveness, then you could go out and sin and you'd be guilty again. But justification is as if you are never guilty at all. It's just as if I had never sinned. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he made a way that we could crucify our flesh and live in this place of where I am spirit and not my flesh. That's what he did. It wasn't just about this process of building a new covenant. There was an underlying concept that God wanted to actually establish. It was a way for you to deny your flesh. It was a way for you to be in relationship with God because your God, our God is so, so holy that if, if, if anything that is not holy or pure or perfect actually contends with him, he cannot be around it. And so the only way that we can actually have relationship with God is if something creates a way. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see guilt, he doesn't see shame, and he doesn't see sin. He actually sees you through Jesus Christ. And he sees you through a way that you are justified, that you're not guilty, you're actually innocent. That doesn't give you a license then to go along and do whatever I want and sin because it's okay, I'm justified. Because then it comes down to condition of your heart. It's got to come simply down to where is my heart at and do I understand who I am? See, you and I, we were bought at a price. Right? Salvation is not free. Anyone who says salvation is free is, is, is lying because it costs somebody something. It might be an easy easy for you because then all you have to do is submit to this thing called the flesh deny yourself and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but at the end of the day it still costs Jesus his flesh it still costs Jesus his life for you. he still had to go through the process of being whipped and stoned he still had to go through the process of having the crown of thorns on him because what it actually bought you was justification so when it says that I no longer live, but I live in him. It's because of what he did for me that I am justified. I cannot be justified and exist in this place called my flesh. I have to be justified in this place called my spirit. I have to choose on a regular daily basis that I no longer live. It is Christ who lives within me. I am justified. And it's not because oh, I'm guilty and I need someone. Da, da, da. It's because he sees me as not guilty at all. He sees me as not that I haven't sinned. That's how he sees us. He sees you as just as if you had never sinned. Perfect and whole. Complete. Righteousness cannot come through the law. You cannot fulfill the law yourself. Therefore, righteousness cannot come through the law only. Because if righteousness was able to come through the law, which means if you were able to keep the law, the Ten Commandments, the 615 other laws, they are written all in the Bible. Sorry. If you ever want to read them, they're terribly exciting. Okay, that's when all laws, you can't eat this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. Okay? 
But you cannot keep the law. No person on this earth can keep the law. You'll be guilty. And if you can't keep the law in your own ability, it means that you need Jesus to be able to keep it. It means you need Jesus to actually have died for you in order that you can be found justified so that you can have a relationship with God. I need every single day to feed my spirit and not my flesh. I tell you yesterday when we were painting, right, and, and we, had, we made a, we're not professionals, all right, so you can't hire us, and even if you try to, um, I'll make it so ridiculously expensive you don't want us, okay? Um, we're not professional painters, all right? And there was a couple of times um, I had to break out the old sander and, and sand down some very thick run marks, okay? Our concept was not to have a, a shabby wall. We wanted a decent wall. And so I was sitting there sanding as well, and then it was, it was terribly exciting. But there, I can tell you straight up, there were times that I wanted to feed my flesh. There was times that I was frustrated, and I was thinking about throwing things and, 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 and getting very frustrated and angry and, and whatever else that comes with it. But there were times I was like, no, 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 and Mel and I have this thing that when one of us is starting to boil or on edge, the other one steps in, right? It's, it's worked for us so way, it's how we've, we've kept our family alive. Uh, <laughs> Mel and I are both very, very passionate people. Um, and so when you're an extremely passionate person, um, you have a tipping point. If you don't know what your tipping point is, um, I can locate it. Um, but yeah, in our relationship, in our, in our home, we have tipping points. And we've learnt that when one of us is on that point, the other one needs to step in. It's just it's what we do. And, and yesterday there was a couple of times when I was on my tipping point, right? Look, we, we're all human. If, if you're not human... Um, Blessed art thou, okay? I'm still human, still learning to feed my spirit over my flesh. But there were some tipping points, and there was times I was like, oh, and I was like, you know what, God, you just... God! But i got to constantly feed my spirit instead of my flesh. My flesh goes and loses the plot and gets angry and frustrated and happens to be more holes in the wall. Than the, anyway... The good thing is there's no holes in the wall. The good thing is it's still a complete wall. The good thing is it does have a coat of paint on it. The other good thing is there, are, there is no other paint anywhere else in the house. There's another passage of scripture. It says in John, John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, and I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That word thief does not mean the enemy. It does not mean Satan. The thief in this story is actually, when Jesus was describing it, was the Pharisees. It was the false teaching. It was the untruths that were coming through religion. The false teachers comes only to steal 
and to kill and destroy. Because what happens is when, when someone is teaching something that is not right, what they're doing is they're actually stealing, killing and destroying who you're supposed to be. And Jesus said, he says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That word life actually means, or we, we translate it as Zoe, and it actually means the same life that God has. The same understanding of life that God has. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, we all know it, he says, he says thy, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven. And what was actually Jesus was te- uh, teaching his disciples was, that you have the ability to pray the same thing that the kingdom has or that is in heaven here on earth. He then goes on to say that I have come, Jesus has come, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That you can have the same life as God has and you can have it more abundantly. It's funny that that comes just after Jesus says that the false teacher... The Pharisees, if you want to put in the words, the false prophets, the false teachers, whatever one you put in there. But the person who teaches you the untruth steals and kills your ability to live in a life that you're called to. False teaching will keep you in a place in burden. It will keep you in a place where I am feeling condemned. When I first got saved, and I was living in this place of sinning, Feeling condemned. Sinning, feeling condemned. Right? Going through this cycle. It was because there was a false teaching that I had in my life. Now, it didn't come from anyone in particular, but it was just a misunderstanding or an untruth that I was actually living in. I didn't understand what Jesus actually came to give me. See, Jesus actually came to give you life, and not just life, but more abundantly. He came to live to give you freedom. That's why in this scripture it says, I, which is referring to Jesus, have come to bring you life, right? Because Jesus is not only the way, but he's the truth and he's the life. So Jesus came to bring you truth. Because when you have truth, it undoes the lie. We we all, each and every one of us, have been given the opportunity to live in a life that is more abundantly than what we understand or comprehend. That does not mean, I just want to give this clarity, okay? That does not mean that we should all have be driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Porsches, you know, and all the fancy cars and be living in a house worth millions and millions of dollars. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is actually talking that I came to bring you life. And life exists in when you understand who you are. When I know my identity is in Christ, right? When I know who I am, but not only who I am, whose I am, I can then live a life more abundantly. I am not then concerned about whatever. What Steve says I am, or what the financial situation says I am, or what my boss says I am, or this person says I am, or this says I am, or this whatever, or the media says I am. You listen to the media and it's really easy to become depressed. Right? If that is your source of entertainment, you can easily get depressed. If I keep on listening to things that are not teaching me the truth, it is easy 
to become depressed and become defined by who they are. All you have to do is jump on Facebook. Facebook is the toilet of information. It is amazing how many people will share something on Facebook that has got no truth whatsoever just because it's on Facebook. I mean, we've all seen it, you know. Um, this happened or this happened and you're like, what? What's going on? You know, and it's just completely untrue. It's because these days anything you put on Facebook can be shared. You just put a share and if it sounds right, someone will share it. That's a dangerous place to be in. False information is travelling through this world something chronic. Something chronic. There are so many things happening in the political world right now. Uh, political agendas that just are not founded within truth. And getting the information or getting the real truth can be really difficult. Because you've got to sort through all the rubbish until you actually find the truth. And but we can't allow those sort of things to actually define who we are. See, you don't actually need to be defined by the market to whether or not you should be buying a house now or not. Or whether or not you should be buying a car. Or which interest rate you should be going at. Or whether they should be investing in this and that. See, that's not what should define you. What defines you is, what did you say, God? Who am I? Okay. Because Jesus came to bring you life more abundantly. And he came to bring you the truth so you didn't actually fall into listening to untruths. He came that you might have life more abundantly so you didn't get your life stolen or killed or destroyed from untruths. The Pharisees of the day were the religious leaders. And they had burdened Jerusalem or the people of the Jews right, with so much religion that they were carrying this weight, this, this burden of, of, of just not being good enough. That they had to rely on a priest in order to get close to God. Funny thing is, those things have happened many times in the church. Your relationship with God is vital. I'm not here as your relationship with God. You're here to build your relationship with God. Now, I'll stand with you, and that's what we do with church. We're here as a corporate body with like-minded believers walking together on the same hopefully in the same direction, building a relationship with God. And we learn about Scripture. That's what Max maximizes on this week. If we didn't get that announcement, right? Starts this week on Wednesday at 7 o'clock in my place. One more information. It's, it's where we take passages of Scripture and I guarantee we don't get through too many, right? And, and we rip it apart and we work out what it means to us. What is actually supposed to mean in context. Okay, it's a great night. If you have kids, um, we have this room that we can close off. We put a TV on and they can watch a movie or something. Okay, so you do get an hour, hour and a half of somewhat peace and quiet. Hey, right? um, Brad's kids come along and they, you know, make yourself at home. Um, we, we have a lock on the door. Um, we can throw some drinks in there or something. You'll be fine. Right, so there's, there's no reason unless you got, you're busy all that night, you just can't work it in. But it's imperative that we as individual believers actually build our own faith. It's imperative that we as believers actually go to the Word 
ourselves and read, spend time with the Word, pray, seek God, worship God on our own. And so when we come together as a corporate body, right, we can share what God's done in our lives. You know, something really exciting happened this week. For some of you, it may not mean anything. But for Dave and Victoria, it meant a lot. David got a job. That has been a long time coming. Right? I don't know why I've been standing with him and believing with him and praying. I know there's been other people who have been praying and believing with him, right? And God opened up a door. And hopefully from that door, it opens up many other doors and he goes to what he wants to do. Okay? But it's imperative that we actually work out our own faith, that we are actually working with God, that we are actually hearing God in ourselves, that we are reading the Bible. And if you don't know what the Bible says or you don't understand something in Scripture, then you know what? You have this thing called Google, right? And you can Google anything and find information. Don't just listen to one source. Make sure you check out three, a few sources. Or you can come and talk to me, or you can come and talk to someone else in the church. And we can develop our faith and our relationship with God together. That's what it is. But if you rely on me, or you rely on somebody, or, re- or you rely on the TV, a podcast or whatever, as your source of faith, you're in trouble. Because when you rely on a source, on a human source, now, to tell you the truth, I'm fallible, which means I do make mistakes, I misquote things, I missay things, I make mistakes, Right? But if you rely on a single source as your source of relationship with God, then you're in trouble. Because just like the Pharisees of the old, where they could actually lead a people away for their own ambitions and their own desires, so can it happen today. It's Jesus that you actually need to be in relationship with. It's Jesus you actually need to connect with. right? This Bible, or not this Bible, for you it's your Bible. Right? This is filled with stories. Stories of people who had a relationship with God. Stories of where God came through for them, where God took them on journeys, where God did things in their lives, where God functioned for them, where God showed them miracles, where God did miracles through them, where God caused things to take place, where God spoke to them, where God did things. This is what this book is about. It's God relating to man in different formats over centuries of years. And it's my job as a disciple of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus, that I need to read and understand who he is. Because if he did the same thing yesterday, he'll do the same thing today. If he came through for Moses and parted the sea when his enemies were chasing him after he had walked in obedience, then I guarantee he'll do the same for you. He may not need to open up the Red Sea because you're not in Israel. But it may be that he makes a way for you in the wilderness. Or maybe he he opens up a river in the desert. Or maybe he opens up a a job. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. And my identity is paramount to whose source I go to. See, I've always learned this, right? Wherever you turn to in your moment of crisis is is dependent upon who your source is. If my source, if my difficulty is my wife, right, this is what will happen. I'll go through a challenge 
Oh, no, I can't make it. Help me, help me, help me. And I will look for her to encourage me and make me feel better about who I am. But when I go through a challenge and my source is God and I'm going to the Word and I'm going to pray to God, you know what, I'm struggling. I, I'm, I'm challenged right now and I don't know what to do. And, you know, I'm feeling the burden of what's taking place and this and that and that. that I'm not relying on, on a person to encourage me and make me feel better about who I am. Right? I'm going to the source of my identity. And he is feeding me the information that I need to actually be who I'm called to be. He's feeding me the truth of what I need to be to live my life abundantly. I'm not relying on, on what someone's opinion is. I'm relying on him. Because I crucified my flesh and I made a decision for Jesus. It's no longer I live, but it's I that live in him or he that lives through me. I've got about another hour's worth of notes, but we won't go through all of them. Right? You and I are called chosen, destined, any way you want to put it. To walk with Jesus Christ. Because that's what he did. When he died on the cross, he made an access point for you. He made that access point which you could be in relationship with the one who created you. Where you could actually begin to understand who you are, your identity in your maker. My liberty, my freedom comes from my truth. My truth actually sets me free on the right path of what I am called to do and who I am and whose I am. I can be swayed not by the left or the right, but by his voice only. And when things don't work out exactly the way I planned, which sometimes it happens, I look to him. Because he is the author and perfecter of my faith. He is my relationship. I'm married to my wife. And when we face troubled times, right, when we go through challenges and we go through difficulties, I'm not telling my wife, going, okay, you have to come up with the answer. I'm going to God and says, what do you want me to do? And then I'm going to my wife saying, okay, this is what I think we should do. And we're working through the process in order to get to a place. But I involve God in our relationship just like my wife involves God. Because that's how we actually get closer together. Right? My relationship with my wife becomes closer the more we get closer with God. The more we grow and we develop in God, the more we can get close together. That's how relationships are formed. It's because I spend time with my wife that I know my wife. It's because I spend time with who my father is, my heavenly father, it's that I know who my God is. And we've gone through some challenging times, haven't we? Just a, just a couple. Just a couple. Right? Just a couple. Right? There's always someone out there with a worse story than you. So. But we've gone through some challenges. And there was a challenge you know, that faced us a little while ago. And you know what? At any point in time, my wife could pack up and leave. But she stays because of the relationship we've built. 
and by who we're connected to. Because we're connected to the Father who created her and her identity is found in Him and my identity is found in Him and we have built a relationship with each other. And so there is a strength in there and there is a relationship. And so there are times when I needed it. You know what, Mel, you, you need to look after the kids right now because otherwise I'm going to spend some time in prison. Uh, and there's times that she says, you know what, Pete, I had a full-on day. I'm done. Your turn. Tag, you're in, right? We play tag. That's just the way things are. But we stand and we, we stand together and we stand and we find each other's strengths. You know, I have learned that my wife is extremely organized, a bit more administrative than I am. So I use that to our benefit. Our benefit, not my benefit, our benefit. Right? And there's I'm pretty sure I have some strengths, don't I? I have some strengths, right? And so she uses my strengths to our benefit. At the end of the day, we are victorious because of whose we are and who we have invited in our relationship. My identity is not found in, I don't even know, Cleo or whatever those other magazines say I am. My identity is not found in the media. It's not found in Facebook. It's not found in the latest fashions. It's not found in this. It's not found in that. It is found solely in whose I am. He bought me at a cost. He paid the price for me so I could know who I am. And this is life more abundantly. The more you know who you are, the less you have to worry about anything else. Because my daddy looks after me. My daddy looks after me. That's as simple as that.